0: Hello, Exorcist Files listeners. Okay, so we know a lot of you struggle with sleep issues. And no, not just because you're listening to our show before bed. I myself actually have struggled with sleep a ton since starting the show, waking up in the middle of the night for seemingly no reason. If that sounds like you, then you should try Sleepy Body Lotion by H. Sheep Organics. It's an all-natural organic magnesium lotion Made from a unique form of deep sea magnesium that is very pure and can be absorbed directly through the skin. You just apply some to your back, arms, or legs, and it will help you get a deep, restful night's sleep. Just head over to eightsheep.com slash xfiles and use our promo code XFILES for 10% off. Again, that's 8Sheep.com slash X Files for 10% off. And seriously, stop listening to this show right before bed.
1: But other angels, apparently of all the ranks, a minority, said, no, we're going to do it our way. We don't want to depend upon you. They were kind of in love with their perfections that they had. They thought they were strong enough to be able to do what God wanted them to do without depending upon him. To use Frank Sinatra's famous theme song, they did it their way. So they lost their bliss in one act and as a result they turned away from their creator and became demons
0: To the Exorcist Files, an audacious ascent into the asomatous arena of the angelic, aka the show where we talk about angels, demons, and everything in between. As a reminder, we've been bringing you a series of bonus episodes featuring deep dives into the many tools God gives us to flourish and resist the enemy. While we will return to our dramatizations in Season 2, we are so grateful for our special guests stepping in while Father is out on his relic tour, We started with an exploration into the history of relics and some moving testimonies. We got a little chilled hearing two exorcistic colleagues of Father Martin's share their own otherworldly tales. And now we are excited to fulfill the age-old prophetic admonition. Give the people what they want. And the people have spoken. At least on Instagram. You all wanted an episode on angels. So here you go. We are proud to unearth angels for you all. Honestly, we'll probably do a couple episodes on this. It's hard to sum up the entire angelic realm in about 40 minutes before we begin we must remember that when discussing the angelic realm this is not an exact science what we do know though are that accounts of angels abound in scripture and they have played many crucial roles in god's unfolding story for creation many people throughout history have shared visions and experiences of encountering angels and the abrahamic religions judaism christianity and islam all teach of their existence so without further delay let's put those wings together and get the heavenly choir queued up no it's not danny glover or christopher lloyd it's father basil cole and while i can say i don't completely understand the expression entirely he is the quote sharpest of cookies
1: father basil cole born and raised in san francisco became a Dominican in 1960, studied at St. Albert's College in Oakland as a Dominican. Then one year, I studied for my license and lectorate degree in Le Sauchoir in France. And then I proceeded to become a superior rather young in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And I began my second career as a parish missionary, going up and down the West Coast preaching parish missions, Eucharistic revivals, etc., and then I was invited to teach at the Angelicum in Rome, where I taught from 1985 to 1997, and while I was there, I wrote my doctoral dissertation on music and morals, the theology of morality and music, their interplay and their intersection. And then I wound up teaching in the Dominican House of Studies, and I taught there until just last uh, May, when I became emeritus. I've written about four or five books. My latest book is called Angelic Virtues and Demonic Vices, published by Tan.
0: Music and Morality... I can only assume he was trying to answer that infernal riddle that plagues us all. Does music, in fact, quote, make you lose control? Now, when I asked a colleague of mine who was the top angelic expert, if such a thing exists, Father Cole's name came up numerous times. So I knew we're all wondering, what did his guidance counselor say to lead him to becoming the, quote, angel expert?
1: I read an article in the L'Inservatore Romano, in which the uh, author mentioned that the early Dominicans, before they got in the pulpit and preached, they'd pray to everybody's angels in the church or wherever they were preaching. And I thought, oh, what a great idea. But I, and I forgot about it. And then I had to begin a, a, what was called a parish renewal in St. Hilary's Parish in Tiburon, California. It started at 5 o'clock Mass. I had my outline for my homily. And just before I started, I quietly prayed to the congregation's angels. Then I began my homily, and all of a sudden, the outline went out the window, as it were, and I was getting more ideas and more ideas about preaching. It was just sort of natural, almost. And then I had to hear confessions afterwards, and I was in the confessional for almost an hour and a half, and people were saying, I'm here because of something you said. And I thought, uh oh, they were here because the angels told me to say something. That was the beginning of my journey into the theology of angels.
0: Now, for those outside the Catholic Orthodox traditions, the term praying to the angels will probably ruffle some angelic feathers. As Father shared in season one, though, Catholic doctrine is very clear worship is due to God and God alone. The term pray to is actually more akin to ask or request. It's an important distinction that the Catholic Church does teach that you can make requests to the saints and to the angels, just like you can make requests to friends on earth to pray for you. We will get into angelic human relations later, but for now, I wanted to go back to the beginning and get Father Cole to tell us the story of why God started all of this in the first place.
1: God decides from all eternity, which we don't know how he does it, but he decides from all eternity, I'm going to create beings other than myself. decides I want to share my being and my happiness with others. So I'm going to create a material universe and a totally spiritual universe And a kind of mixture of spiritual and material universe, human beings. We could say that he could have created them all simultaneously out of nothing, because he's infinite, or he might have went through stages, as Genesis suggests. Genesis 1 has a lot of metaphors in it. And so when it came to creating purely spiritual beings, he decided to give them intellects and wills. And we like to think of them as pure intellects and all unique intellect. And then each angel has someone above him and someone below him. And each was unique. Each was his own species. It's like One angel was like all the roses, all the red roses, combined in him, to to use the word species. Or another angel had all strawberries using just only one unique strawberry. Generally, we can say they have the same genus, they're pure spirits, and they decided to create billions of them. So angels were the first round of creation. And as
0: a wise pastor in San Diego once told me, When we open up our Bibles in Genesis, we are actually starting the story like Star Wars on episode four. There's a lot that happened before humans arrived on the scene. And just how we see a lot of diversity in creation. Father Cole shared that that diversity also exists in the heavenly realms, in what in theology is referred to as the ranks when it comes to angels.
1: There are basically nine ranks and then organized by threes first rank is called the seraphim the cherubim and the throne they're more or less like pure contemplative they don't interplay with the world in any way they might communicate insights to the lower angels again not absolutely clear we can speculate then there's the second rank of those that have something to do with the universe that was created by God and to some extent may help humans, but not to the extent that the third rank does. Namely, we call them the guardian angels, archangels, and in some way, we call them the virtues. And so the second group and the third group are somehow related to the universe and to us. Whereas the top group, they're just completely lost in the presence of God. And then it's pure speculation as to what they all actually do. We know that there are nine choirs of angels. Just start with guardian angels. Everybody has a guardian angel. Right now, there are 8 billion people on the planet. Ergo, there are 8 billion guardian angels.
0: While theologians over the centuries have certainly debated about whether there are, in fact, specific angels assigned to an individual for life, what is not debated is the powerful role of angels in helping defend and minister to God's people. As Psalm 91 verses 11 through 12 read, "...for he will command his angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone." Throughout the Bible, we see stories of angels arriving on the scene to help deliver important messages, deliver answers to prayer, make war and bring on the Lord's judgment against his enemies, and even comfort in the same way Jesus was attended to after his temptation in the wilderness by Satan. So if Jesus needed some angelic
1: ministry, we probably do too. Given the nature of human frailty, it made sense for God to give us someone of the lowest rank of the angels who could suggest things to our imaginations and to our memories and also sometimes protect us from dangers etc it make make perfect sense for god to do that and to let us know that we have someone to take care of us and guard us and to help us and to bring us graces. One of the great problems I've noticed as a, as a parish missionary is a lot of times when people confess their sins, quite often mothers and fathers, they get so upset with their children and they get upset with one another and they don't know how to deal with them. And so I always ask them a trick question. I always say how many people live there in your household and they says well i've got f- there's me and my husband and we have six children so that means there are eight of us and then i have the delight of saying you're wrong there's 16 of you and they say huh yeah you forgot each of you has a guardian angel apparently god thought we needed angels besides actual grace besides sanctifying grace, besides the indwelling of the Trinity, besides the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, besides charisms. That's the kind of the outline of the sanctum of grace, but he also wanted us to have a spiritual being to also help us along.
0: Father Cole said he believes that angels can probably suggest things to our imaginations. On one hand, this makes sense as we've heard demons can tempt us or somehow suggest things that we might pick up on. So it isn't that far fetched to think that angels could also, in theory, have some ability to influence or impart things to our mind.
1: Say that quite often what we think is coming from the Holy Spirit is probably coming from the guardian angels. But what comes from the Holy Spirit usually almost, you can't put it into words. When the Holy Spirit activates the gift of wisdom or knowledge or understanding, it's something much, much more profound than when the angel puts a suggestion in your mind. Obviously, the angel doesn't act without the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit prompts the angels to push a thought or two or something like that. But the holier you become, then quite often the Holy Spirit may bypass the angel and more immediately communicate something that that's, you can't put into words. I had to admit this was something I
0: had not heard before and it was a bit tough to process. It can be hard enough for individuals to discern what is the Holy Spirit versus something coming from our own minds. And would there actually be a way to know if something was from the Holy Spirit versus from an angel? Probably not with any absolute certainty. Father Cole did say in our interview, though, that angels do not operate independent of the Holy Spirit. So somehow it's all connected. Perhaps it's fair to say that when we hear from God, it's possible it could mean a few things. It could be the Holy Spirit directly or God relying on angels to convey his message. Of course, Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 that my sheep know my voice. So God does in fact communicate with his people, and that can be in a variety of ways. Coming back to guardian angels, I did ask Father Cole which verse he refers to when making the case for an individual guardian angel per person. And he said the primary one is Matthew 18.10, which says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven always look upon the face of my heavenly Father. Hello, Exorcist Files listeners. If you're not having good ranchers deliver meat straight to your door, I don't know why you're resisting. Okay, some real talk. This company is actually pretty cool. Their founder, Ben, is actually a former worship pastor, and he felt God called him to start a meat company. And he had literally no experience in food. He just stepped out in faith, trying to be obedient. And a year later, they were absolutely crushing it, providing sustainable, all-natural products sourced only from American farms and ranchers. I mean, the fruit speaks for itself, except they don't sell fruit. They sell amazing, high-quality meat that you can actually taste the difference. And if you want some seafood for Lent, just saying they do great seafood. Go to GoodRanchers.com and use promo code XFiles. that's E-X-Files, X-Files, for a delicious discount, 10% off. Seriously, go check it out. We will return to guardian angels in a bit, but as Christians and especially our regular listeners know, there are some bad apples in the angelic barrel. I've always been fascinated with so much wisdom and so much spiritual glory. How could these beautiful creations fall? Turns out their story has some parallels with ours.
1: First, when they were created, they did not have the beatific vision. Okay, they're in the presence of God. You're in the presence of God, I'm in the presence of God, but we don't see him with our intellects. Neither did the angels see him directly, but he can still communicate with people who don't see him, and he did with grace. Uh, all the angels, unlike ourselves, were given infused ideas. Because of their brilliance, even the dumbest angel is far more brilliant than, the, than the Einstein or Thomas Aquinas put together. That's part of the problem. However, in giving them sanctifying grace, he also gives them an ultimate goal of happiness. In their first instance, they are capable of all kinds of stuff. But he also gives them a challenge. And that challenge is, if you rely on me, I will give you absolute bliss according to the measure of the intellect and will I've given you, according to the degree of intelligence that you have. Now, the vast majority had no problem with that. They decided, yes, we'll depend upon you. But other angels, apparently of all the ranks, a minority, says, no, we're going to do it our way. We don't want to depend upon you. They were kind of in love with their perfections that they had. They thought they were strong enough to be able to do what God wanted them to do without depending upon him. To use Frank Sinatra's famous theme song, they did it their way. So they lost their bliss in one act. And as a result, they turned away from their creator and became demons, total misery forever and ever. Some of whom, who were already somehow regulating earth, were allowed to be able to tempt human beings and to interfere with their willpower. In the Gospel
0: of Luke, chapter 10, Jesus says, "'I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, And in Revelation chapter 12, we see the forces of heaven in a great battle led by the archangel Michael waging war against a great dragon and seeing this dragon and his followers thrown down. So that begs the question, how would one be cast out of an eternal heaven? To quote the book
1: of VH1, where are they now? Technically, when they're created, they're outside of space, outside of materiality which is hard for us to put our minds around. So, strictly speaking, God doesn't cast them out, although that's the best way to understand it, even St. Michael the Archangel is supposed to have done, been an instrument of that. But looking at it, absolutely, they cast themselves out by that very act of rebellion. When they rebel, they're no longer in union with God. And that leads to instantaneous unhappiness and suffering and misery because their minds are made to possess goodness and truth. But now they've thrown it away. and All they have left is sin. And sin brings to them a very deep unhappiness. And it would appear, again, from using our reason, that when, when Lucifer refused, he may have influenced other angels, or maybe collectively some of them all refused together and wound up together in damnation. Well, they're like us in one respect. they also had faith, and faith means you have to rely on God, and faith means you don't understand perfectly the content you don't see under it the full ramifications. You, that's where you have to trust in God. Now, when they say no to God, they're undermining their, their whole being by losing sanctifying grace, and they, they, they get blind. Now, not every angel is involved in possession. Just certain ranks of angels, the lower ranks primarily, As far as we know, there's probably far more demons in damnation that never tempt anybody.
0: So Satan, formerly Lucifer, incited a rebellion, which led to them casting themselves out, effectively severing their union with God. Father Cole believes that while it's different, somewhat like our experience here on Earth, The angels did not have a complete and full revelation of god they were given some measure of opportunity to have faith and with that freedom some fell the consequences of which ripple throughout eternity and persist father Martins has said in several episodes that for demons their hatred is an ongoing choice i asked father cole what could plausibly be the source of all this hatred
1: they're just miserable probably the vast majority of them like i say probably I don't know. I've never been there, thank God. So those that tempt belong to the lower ranks of the angels, perhaps fallen guardians, perhaps fallen archangels, maybe perhaps fallen principalities. They also hate God, and they hate the image and likeness of God in us. They hate the possibility that we can be happy forever and therefore superior to them that brings us back to what was the inner cause of their fall it was pride the failure to accept your limitations and the false self-love in your own perfections thinking there are no limits to your perfections once they fell given the fact that they had infused ideas of what may have looked to come then they also experienced envy of us. They couldn't experience envy of other angels because the other angels were gone. But we're on earth. The other angels are in heaven. They don't see anybody in heaven. They see us. that are on earth. And so they're envious that we can be friends of God, that we can get into heaven, even if we're terrible sinners. We can get into heaven. If we, sometimes people can get into heaven at the last hour of their lives. Angels don't have that possibility. We do.
0: It certainly makes us appreciate all the more Jesus' beautiful parting words to his disciples in John chapter 15, that we are not just servants, but friends of God. It's also possible that Lucifer rebelled at the notion that God, the creator of the universe, would humble himself and take on the role of man, a sort of reverence for God that was warped. That
1: he didn't understand, and in turn, fueled his rebellion. It's possible that he had an infused idea that God was going to become man, and he refused to accept it. He doesn't understand the fullness of revelation. He's a better theologian than I am, but he doesn't believe in it. He knows the words, but he doesn't savor it. And keep in mind that Lucifer doesn't work alone. There are tons of evil ones who work with him. It's not clear what rank he belonged to, but it doesn't, it's not contradicting anything to think he was a seraphim. It's not contradictory to think that all the ranks, there was somebody who refused to surrender to God. In fact, when somebody gets possessed, for example, it's usually possessed by four or five or six fallen angels, and one of them is a leader. That's another issue. Next, we can say that the evil one is someone who hates God so much he doesn't want anybody to love God. He wants others to join him. But in the same breath... The more that happens, the more sadness he has for some mysterious reason. Their unhappiness seems to get intensified over their eternity. It isn't static. It seems to get worse and worse. Whereas in heaven, Hmm. your happiness is fixed by the divine love you have. They have an empty potentiality for misery. And so their idea of success seems to make them even worse interiorly, and it'll even get worse at the end of time when there's the final judgment.
0: We've heard Belinda Carlyle sing, heaven is a place on earth, but what about hell? Satan is described as the prince of this world, and in the book of Job, he is described as wandering the earth. So where is he actually coming from? Where does hell reside, and
1: what's its relation to Earth? First and foremost, they carry hell with them. Their damnation is interior, okay? It's in their being. All that you can think of misery and unhappiness, somehow that's them. There is also some kind of a fire, a fire we can't understand, a spiritual fire, whatever that means, that sort of encompasses them. In some way and it holds them that also is revealed so that we humans can understand that when we get our bodies back and if we go to damnation we'll experience a fire on our bodies right now the humans that are in damnation that fire just holds them they can't move as it were it's a sort of a confinement that's the best way to put it the fallen angels who tempt us are confined yes but in a different in a different kind of a way. Okay. They have this ability, though, the, f- the few that remain on earth to be able to also lead others to damnation. Okay, Now, damnation refers to the absence of the beatific vision with no hope. Whereas, now, the word hell in the Catholic teaching refers to three stages. First of all, Hell refers to damnation. Second level, it refers to purgatory. Purgatory, you know you've made it. You know that you're going to get into heaven. If you're damned, you know it's never possible. But in purgatory, you're being purified. You also have a kind of a fire that confines you somewhere. But again, all these things are purifying. Because in the state of purgatory, as distinct from damnation, state of purgatory, you're in state of sanctifying grace. Now, you may be the lowest person in purgatory. You still have sanctifying grace. And with sanctifying grace comes complete and total hope you're gonna make it, comes with an understanding of why you're suffering. You're still suffering from the fact that you haven't achieved your ultimate goal yet. That suffering becomes purifying. The people in purgatory are not only poor souls, they're rich souls too. They have a possession of God, but they don't see him. It's like when angels were first created, they don't see God. Well, in this case, the people in purgatory, while they don't see God, they know that they will, absolutely beyond any question of doubt. Whereas those in damnation, nothing it's it's hopeless
0: i had never really considered damnation as an internal attribute but in the gospel of luke chapter 17 verses 20 through 21 jesus teaches that the kingdom of heaven lies within us perhaps in the same way we carry god's kingdom in us the demons now fallen carry eternally their choice and by default the kingdom of darkness resides inside them Now, Father Cole has referenced lesser demons that are somehow given authority to interact with us. Christian teaching holds that demons cannot read our thoughts, but instead are keen observers and brilliant intellects that watch us and study us.
1: Guardian angels can have infused ideas instantaneously from God about anything if God wants them to know it. Demons can have conjectural knowledge based upon how we've acted in the past, but they, they can't have absolute knowledge. They can know our weaknesses, but they may not know our strengths. They can know something of our weaknesses, but they don't have infallible knowledge. And sometimes they're right, sometimes they are wrong. And they find out the hard way or the easy way. So what Father Cole is suggesting
0: is that when a demon, perhaps in one of Father Martin's cases, speaks of something that on the surface seems impossible for it to know, it is not from reading a person's mind, but rather drawing a conclusion of what it has observed. They wait and see things, and then, like all intellects, weave together a story. God, on the other hand, fills believers with the Holy Spirit, a Holy Spirit that resides inside of them. The angels in heaven are in relationship with God, so perhaps that explains why they might be able to infuse ideas into our imaginations due to their connection with the living God who dwells inside all believers. The Holy Spirit working with them. Of course, this is conjecture. Now, I want to return to guardian angels again. This is a question asked by so many of our listeners. If there are individual angels assigned to guard and minister to us, how do we reconcile all the suffering we see? If there's 8 billion angels working for us at least, why is life
1: so hard? First principle, we should never ask God for a cross. However, when crosses come, and they do, then we have to ask God to take away the cross. If God doesn't take away the cross, then we have to ask him to give me the grace to endure the cross and to accept the cross and merit with the cross. And that could include asking the same thing from the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Rita, St. Jude, and your guardian angel too not either or, all of the above. And when you do that, you're still in suffering, but somehow you manage to be able to dance with it. You're in a dance with God now. You're sharing in Christ's crucifixion, Christ's way of the cross. We know that when you cooperate with the cross, something beautiful comes out of it, something great comes out of it, not immediately, but over the long haul. In fact, sometimes later on in life, you might thank God you had that cross because it did something wonderful for you. But you have to be willing to wait and see and persevere in asking Mary and Joseph and the angels, your guardians, help me through this, keep me focused. We probably won't cooperate perfectly but we will get a little extra boosts now and again. And maybe we might even give a giant boost occasionally, depending upon how close we are to God when the suffering comes. Suffering and misery is meant to be a grace in disguise. And then we have to follow that famous sentence in the Council of Trent. God doesn't ask us to do the impossible. What he does expect of us is to try to do what we can, ask for his help directly, and through the saints, the angels, friends, and he will speak to it that it's accomplished. So when you have a tragedy, you're facing with something that's quasi an impossible problem, an impossible situation. You're miserable. All right, God, let's work together on this. Get me in right with the program. Garden Angel, get me with the program. Sometimes some of us are in grave sin and the, and the cross works to purify us. Some of us are in grave sin and the cross makes us even worse because we don't want to rely on God's help. God doesn't ask us to do the impossible.
0: Like all questions of suffering, it goes back to God's sovereignty We just don't get all the answers this side of eternity. And to be fair, if there are indeed angels guarding us, we may never know how many crises were avoided because of those angels, as their activity remains veiled from our earthly faculties. Now, assuming there are in fact angels ministering and guarding us, I wondered, what is Father Cole's advice for an appropriate posture for how to explore this topic more, and what attitude should we have as we think about angels?
1: It's good to see if you can find a good book or something about angels, just to get to know a little about their essence, a little bit about their history, that's the first thing, because the more you know, theologically, it's a little easier to love, respect. Number two, if you don't know what to do about the angels, well, you go online and type in Litany of the Angels, and you'll find a beautiful litany of all the angels. Uh, And if you start praying that litany, you'll be surprised at the amount of help you'll get. Quite often we don't do that. They still help us. But the more you acknowledge, well, they're going to be a little more attentive. It's like anything. You you show somebody some respect, that kind of wakes them up, as it were, a little bit.
0: Well, that was deep, right? Studying angels seems to be like fighting a Hydra. You cut one head off and another three questions pop up. It is fascinating though, and encouraging. We know we spend a lot of time on this show talking about demons. I mean, they're the case files of an exorcist, but if the enemy and his minions are real, then God is too, and infinitely more powerful. And as we close out the year, we want to celebrate that truth. We will have more angelic content for you in the new year, but this is it for 2023, folks. Thank you so much for making it such an incredible year. We are so grateful for all the support in helping make this podcast such a huge success. We want to give a very special thank you to some sponsors who helped make this episode possible. First, our friends at Exodus. Men, if you found today's episode interesting, you are definitely going to want to check out Exodus 90, their spiritual formation program for men. The testimonies coming out of it are incredible. Head over to startmyexodus.com xfiles X-Files to get started. And if after listening to this, you find yourself very hungry, perhaps for venison, you need to go visit our partners at Maui Nui Venison. If you haven't tried it, it's amazing. When you're done fasting and praying for the nations, seriously, grab some of their venison. Use promo code XFiles for 20% off. It's seriously epic. Now, before we go, we do want to leave you with one final word of advice. In the book of Hebrews, the writer reminds us to not be forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have actually entertained angels, unawares. At the very least, think about that when you do your holiday party guest lists. And so, in the words of the great baseball manager, George Knox, you can call it faith, you can call it angels, you can call it whatever you like, but we'll call it angels. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year. And remember, The sin stops here. To keep in touch with us and get some of our anointed merchandise, and by that I just mean it's really cool, it's not actually anointed, you can visit our website at exorcistfiles.tv. You can also email us absurd and overly specific criticism at exorcistfiles at gmail.com. We are working on responding to all the emails. All cases in the exorcist files are recounted by Father Carlos Martins from his personal archives. While this episode did not have any 3D binaural drama, it still takes a ton of work and research. The series is hosted by Father Martins and myself, Ryan Bethay. Today, we want to give a very big thank you to Father Basil Cole for sharing his wisdom with us. It takes a legion of people to make this show possible. Post production by DB Mix Studios, Dan Blessinger, and Michelle Martinez. Music and scoring by Jim Cavell. Executive producers are Carlos Martins and Ryan Bethay. And remember, please sign up for our email list. You're going to want to be updated on all the things happening next year. See you then, folks.